Hello, and welcome to the iRace We Gamble podcast, episode one of uh, our careers in podcasting and of the show. I guess to give you a little bit of background about ourselves, since you probably don't know who we are, or actually, if you're listening to this, you probably do know who we are, because you're probably the only people who would listen to this, is like friends we have, I'm guessing, to start off. Um, <laughs> but uh, my name is Alex Crum. Everybody just calls me Crum. Um, I've kind of been a lifelong NASCAR fan, uh, motorsports fan, really. Um, Dad took me to Watkins Glen every year when I was little and kind of got me started early. Um, was a Rusty Wallace fan growing up and kind of hated Jeff Gordon because he was his main rival, um, which eventually led to uh, disliking Hendrick because they always won everything between Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson. Um, and so this is a roundabout way of telling you who my favorite driver is, which is Kyle Busch, which will either make people turn off the podcast right away or keep listening because they're intrigued. Um, but I became a Kyle Busch fan because he had a feud with Dale Earnhardt Jr. at the time. And Jr. was the big popular guy. This was in like 2008, I think. Um, and Jr. went to Hendrick, which was like the evil empire as far as I was concerned. So uh, the fact that Kyle Busch had a rivalry with him and was kind of winning races at that time made me a fan of him. Um, so if I put Kyle Busch in my lineup, you know why. Um, I try to remain impartial because I am, you know, putting five, ten bucks in a lineup for uh, FanDuel. I can't deny that I do have some bias for Kyle and probably against some other drivers. Um, people like Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski, Keselowski who's, who he has had run-ins with. Um, it's a little harder for me to put them in my lineup if it's a toss-up between them and somebody else. Um, also... In terms of my background, I also started iRacing last year when the pandemic started because uh, I realized I had a computer that could run iRacing. So that's why uh, I race and we gamble. I've been iRacing since March and I mostly do oval stuff. If you do iRacing, um, my uh, I rating is, I think, around 2800 for oval. So kind of middle of the road iRacer, but I enjoy it. It's fun. My co-host today is Josh Simer. You want to give your uh, background, Josh? Crum, I told you I should have gone first because I'm going to seem really inadequate after that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm. Uh, my name's Josh Simer. You guys can follow me on Twitter at, at Josh Simer. I uh, got into NASCAR in what, Crum? 2017, I think. Yeah, probably around there. I mean, we went to we did a camping trip at Watkins Glen in what, was... 2015. 16 maybe i might not have been there for the first year but it was in the mid the mid 2010s yeah was when i really got into nascar um i grew up just knowing the big names and sorry to tell you crumb i rooted for jeff gordon he had lots of fans (laughs) i'm not not surprised (laughs) yeah everyone who wasn't really a fan was a fan of him right yeah a little bit Um, yeah him and uh dale earnhardt probably yeah, so I got introduced to it at Watkins Glen and thought I was going for a camping trip to hang out with my buddies for the weekend and got to the racetrack and up close to the cars and into the grandstand and realized that there was way more to the sport than I knew at the time, and I was hooked right away. Uh, it doesn't take a lot to get me hooked to sports. I've always been into playing and watching everything, the major four, golf, now NASCAR, and uh, also a big fan of putting a little extra on the games, which is going to be my main part of this podcast to uh, talk over some daily fantasy drivers that we really like, why we like them, and talk about cash and tournament. And um, I guess I'll have to give my disclaimer, too, that my favorite driver is Harvick the four i chose him with almost no basis i didn't want to have a a hyper fan favorite i know he's a a real popular driver uh but i didn't want to you know go with kyle bush or (laughs) which is just a controversial pick you either hate him or love him yeah absolutely um so yeah i adopted harvick as my driver the first year i was at watkins Glen, and have been rooting for him ever since so just going to give you guys that little little disclaimer when we get into the daily fantasy stuff that i'll give him the nod more often than not for my lineups yeah i mean to be fair he's a good he he was a great pick last year and he's probably going to continue to be a good pick so um probably won't hurt you too much Um, him or denny hamlin you had to have one of them in your lineup last year yeah absolutely they were winning everything um 
So just give a little bit of background about the podcast, I guess, after we uh, gave you our sort of general backgrounds about ourselves. Um, we're probably going to just touch on, or at least I'm going to touch on a little bit of Formula One um, since I have a little bit of passion about that. I don't think there's any FanDuel opportunities there, but um, you can do some sports book stuff uh, in terms of like picking maybe some winners or top three, but those are really hard um, with F1 because it, it's it seems fairly predictable. It'll either be like, oh, Lewis Hamilton won again, or there was a crazy thing that happened and some unknown person won. So you have to kind of pick and choose if you're going to try to bet on F1. Um, but F1 doesn't start for another month. Uh, I think they start the season in Bahrain. Um, if you're not into F1, I would suggest giving it a shot. Um, the races are only like two hours long. Um, there's no commercials. It airs on like ESPN, I think, on the States at least. Um, and the first race of the year, I think, is March 28th uh, at 11 a.m. So you can, you know, get it in before the NASCAR race if you want to watch it. Usually the most exciting part of those races is the starts anyway. So if you want to just tune in for the start and see what happens. Um, it's usually pretty entertaining, but after that, since the cars are so aerodynamic dependent, you end up with a lot of single file racing. Um, but maybe something we're checking out for those of you who haven't checked it out before, but that'll be a month off. Um, but some of the off-season stuff for F1, I kind of wanted to get into that. Um, after we talk about that, I'm going to start talking about um, the NASCAR season so far that we've had. Um, some of the iRacing stuff that's been going on, um, and then we'll get into the fantasy sort of daily tournament lineups, cash lineups, depending on what you want to do. Uh, but just to go over some of the Formula One news from the offseason, um, it was crumb, pretty... Crumb, yeah. crumb, crumb. I got to stop you real quick. Did you say 11 a.m. for the Formula One races? Yeah, I mean, they're in, they're generally in Europe or Asia for the most part. So you're telling me I can watch racing all day long? Yes, <laughs> that wow. is what I'm telling you. That well, is incredible. Yeah, we'll we'll have to have we'll do a watch party for the first race to see if I can uh, get you into uh, Formula One as well. We'll see. <laughs> um, slippery, it'll be a slippery slope. Yeah, well, we'll it, you'll make it at least the first 15 minutes and be like, "Wow, that was incredible!" And then you might fall asleep, but then you'll wake up in time for NASCAR. <laughs> um, so just to touch on uh, some of the off-season news for F1, like I was going to say. Um, Mercedes has been winning every championship, I think, for the past seven years. They're dominating the sport, um, and their lineup stays the same. They still have Lewis Hamilton, who's easily the best driver right now, might be of all time. Um, they obviously have Valtteri Bottas as their second driver, who's very good in his own right, but um, can't quite hold a candle to Lewis. Um, Red Bull added Sergio Perez from Racing Point, um, which Racing Point changed, but we'll get to that. Um, McLaren added uh, Daniel Ricciardo. He came over from Renault, which also changed team names. Um, and Red Bull still has Verstappen. Obviously, he's another probably a top three driver right now. Um, could challenge if the if the team gets the car where he can compete. Um, could challenge for wins for sure. Um, potentially the championship. Um, McLaren also still has Lando Norris. He's probably one of the most popular drivers. He does like streaming on Twitch and everything. Um, but yeah, Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo might be the most fun lineup. Um, if you actually, a better way to get into F1, Josh, if you are interested is if you watch drive to survive on Netflix, uh, there's two seasons right now, basically based on the past two seasons of F1, not the most recent, like not survive. Yeah. It's excellent. Like, even if you don't like racing, it's worth watching. It's, it's a great, uh, Netflix documentary about F1. Um, I'm adding it to my watch list right now. Excellent. Uh, so season one of that is based on the 2018 season. Season two was based on 2019. And then obviously season three comes out uh, this year. And that's actually going to be based on the 2020 season, which was insane because COVID and the pandemic um, kind of threw all sports into a tizzy. Um, but anyways, that's that's highly recommended um, if you want to get into F1 as well. Um, I just kind of like it. And it looks yeah. like it just got renewed for season four. Not surprising. <laughs> um, the reason I bring that up now is because Daniel Ricardo's kind of a featured early on in that, and you kind of see how much of a fun-loving, interesting guy he is. Um, and I think he brings a lot to just the sport in general. Um, so moving on down the list of uh, F1 teams here, Aston Martin is a new team in the sport that was formerly Racing Point. That's where Sergio Perez came from to go to Red Bull. Um, they're adding Sebastian Vettel to the team, which is like one of the, better drivers in the sport, but he's sort of a veteran kind of near the end of his career. He he showed some signs last year that he's, you know, maybe over the hill. I don't know. Um, or maybe he's Tom Brady and he wins a championship this year. Who knows? 
Uh, Alpine is another team uh, that was formerly Renault. That's where Ricardo came from to go to McLaren. Um, Alpine, as I think, has all new driver lineup. Or no, uh, Esteban Ocon's on their team, and he was on that team last year as well. Uh, but they added retired driver Fernando Alonso. So if Vettel's over the hill, Alonso's even further down the hill. But maybe he still has some good skills in him. I think he raced some uh, IndyCar last year. Um, Ferrari uh, still has um, Charles Leclerc. That's who it is. They still have Charles Leclerc, um, who's probably one of the best promising young drivers outside of uh, Max Verstappen. Um, and they added Carlos Sainz, who's another promising young driver. He came over from McLaren. Um, Alpha Tauri, who's kind of a mid-pack team, um, added a new rookie, Yuki Tsunoda. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Hopefully I am. Um, they still have uh, Pierre Gasly as well. Um, I think he got his first win last year, if I remember correctly, or at least his first podium, maybe first win. Um, but this is just a preview of you know the offseason. I'm, I'm not going to worry too much about the stats until we get into the season. Um, Alfa Romeo stayed the same. They still have Kimi Raikkonen, who's been in the sport forever and is one of the funnest characters to listen to on the radio because he doesn't give any fucks at all. He's just he's known as being the Iceman and he just doesn't. He is like a calm, cool attitude all the time, doesn't care about the media and just like goes about his business. Uh, they also have a young driver named Antonio Giovinazzi, um, who's sort of trying to make waves in F1. Uh, Haas, which is the only American team in uh f1 has an all-new driver lineup with probably one of the most beloved names and one of the most hated um nikita mazepin i think that's how you say it is uh their rookie driver they're both they're both rookie drivers but nikita mazepin is like not well liked at all um he's said some things that people don't like he's done some things that people don't like uh he seems a bit maybe entitled maybe kind of a dick um I don't know him personally, obviously, but that's that's all the stories you hear about him. So he's not well liked. But Mick Schumacher is the other driver um, related to the famous Michael Schumacher, one of the all time greats in F1. Um, so everybody loves him. So that's an interesting dichotomy they have over at Haas. Um, they're kind of a backmarker team. They haven't been doing well uh, recently, but uh, maybe the 2022 season when they get the new cars, Haas will be back to uh, competitive form. Um, and then another backmarker team in Williams, uh, they stayed the same with Nicholas Latifi and George Russell. So that's enough F1 talk. Uh, they don't start for another month, but I wanted to kind of cover some of their off-season stuff um, while we're here. Moving on to NASCAR, which is, you know, what we're really here for. Um, Josh, you and I tried to watch the Daytona 500. Um, we got about 15 laps in. Uh, so did most of the drivers. And then, <laughs> then there was a giant wreck. Uh, then there was rain, and then we uh, waited until the evening and saw some of what happened in the evening. Um, I don't know. I'm just curious your general thoughts on what you saw aside from the the rain. Um, did you were you impressed, or were you kind of like, "Wow, these guys already wrecked this fast"? Or what did you think? Well, you hate to see the 13 laps to go wreck happen 14 laps into it. And my fantasy day was done. (laughs) (laughs) That's the problem. A lot of wind comes out of my sails when something like that happens. And generally, you know, if we can get 40 cars across the line every week, that's what I want to see. Yeah. Um, To be perfectly honest with you, that restart a little after 930 uh, lended itself to me only catching about the first 20 or 30 laps after they restarted. Yeah. And, um, then I got into the highlights and of course the finish. Yeah. The finish was pretty nuts. Um, although I would say for after the big wreck and before the other big wreck that was at the end, um, a lot of people didn't like the racing cause it ended up being just single file running for a long time. Um, and that led to a lot of discussion about like, does the super speedway package, like, does it suck? Dale Jr. always talks about the big-ass spoilers and how they're ruining the the racing to a degree. Or, well, he doesn't say ruining the racing, I should say, but some people claim that it does. Um, but he he doesn't like the big-ass spoilers because they're, they're giant, and he, it really alters how the cars draft and how they get runs and all those sorts of things. Um, and I'll put some links to some of the comments he's made about the race, some of the comments Joey Logano Spotter made about the race since he was involved in that late wreck. Um, some interesting thoughts there I'll, I'll throw in the, the description of this pod um but yeah in general I, I like the package i mean like when there's actually 40 cars and they can control them um it's great i think we watched the august race at daytona last year uh 
and it was it was a really good race. Like there's battles the whole time. There wasn't a giant wreck at the beginning. Um, so I, I I tend to like it, but I do recognize that the the package that they're using can create massive wrecks. But I guess it's always done that to a degree. So I don't I don't know. I think it's fine. Um, but that's just my two cents on it. Um, and yeah, it, when I always have a problem doing a fantasy lineup for those races because I don't know, like you can think like, okay, Joey Logano is great at plate racing. Denny Hamlin's great at plate racing. And then I'm going to find some, you know, guys in the back who I think can move forward. And then, you know, it instantly gets ruined by a wreck. So those feel like the biggest crapshoot to me when trying to set a lineup. Although the Roval, the Daytona Roval race was also a bit of a crapshoot more than I expected it to be. Um, yes, it was. Yes, <laughs> it was. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, we're sitting here with like maybe what, 20 laps left in the race. I've got... Who, who did I have in my lineup? I had Chase Elliott leading the race. I had Denny Hamlin in the top five. I had Kyle Busch in the top five. I had Chase Briscoe, mid-pack, but that's fine. I had Ty Dillon, mid-pack, also fine, because, you know, he was picking up spots. But I was easily in the money in my uh, 50-50 lineup. And then it started maybe raining, kind of, sort of. Um, <laughs> I, it, At least in turn six, anyway, or that's what yeah, they told me. Yeah, turn six. <laughs> I think it was NASCAR oval, turn two, whatever. Um Based on all the commentary I've heard about it, it sounds like they have spotters around the track, NASCAR does, that try to make sure to say, like, hey, it's raining, or hey, it's not raining, whatever. Um, and road courses are obviously a totally different animal, because if it starts raining on an oval track, it's, hey, caution's out, we're bringing them down pit road, we can't race in this weather. Which, due to tire construction and how the cars go around ovals, makes sense, they can't race in the rain. Um, but at a road course, you can race in the rain, and they have rain tires for it. Um, the issue was they threw the caution to allow teams to potentially put on rain tires. And everyone was like, no, it's not raining near hard enough for us to put on rain tires. Um, and going back to F1 a little bit, if it starts raining in F1, you just have to come put on your rain tire. It doesn't, they don't throw a caution unless it's a torrential downpour and, you know, you can't even make it around the track. Um, but there were plenty of races last year in F1 that had crazy conditions. Um, and they don't throw a caution. They are actually hardly ever throw any kind of caution in Formula One. They have local yellows, which basically mean don't pass anybody because someone's off track. But they don't throw like a traditional NASCAR yellow flag with a what they call a safety car instead of a pace car. Um, almost ever, unless it's a big wreck or something like that. Um, so I guess all that to say, I was frustrated <laughs> that they threw the caution. <laughs> uh, obviously, it ruined Kyle Busch's day based on how everything turned out. Um, so that didn't help, but it also ruined my fantasy lineup. So I, I was not pleased. Um, what, what did you think of all the rain and the chaos and everything that ensued? You know, I've I've dug down, dug deep into this caution, um, and I've come to the conclusion that I hate it as well. Yeah, um, you're in one turn on a road course with light rain. Right. I mean, we were. I was listening to the broadcast and they weren't even sure what turn the rain was on. How much rain are you actually getting? And when, you know, when everybody comes in and takes advantage of that chance to pit and then every single car runs back out with their slicks on, it really makes me wonder (laughs) why, why the caution was ever necessary. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I think there was a lot of discussion around that and maybe that'll be something that NASCAR looks into. I get it. It's a safety thing. Yeah. You know, is it more, is there, is there more to it than what I see is NASCAR just kind of trying to cover their ass or, you know, do, is there some type of actual concern? So you and I will never know. I think there's very few people who will actually ever know the answer to that, but needless to say, it was frustrating from a race perspective, slowing things down. And it was definitely frustrating from a daily perspective. Um, Luckily, Almondinger was able to work his way back up a little bit. Is that who you uh, had in your lineup? Yeah, he was my guy, and I was getting scared when he was down there with, you know, 13 laps left. I think he was in 27th. And uh, I think, where did he finish? Was he 7th? Did he he finish 7th? Top 10 for sure. I think it was 7th. I was pretty sure top 10, yeah. yeah. So... He worked out pretty well for me. Um, unfortunately, I also had Reddick, and uh, when he got knocked out, oh of the yeah, race, he that got was... caught up in the grass, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so that was uh, 
that was game over for me. But speaking of getting caught up in the grass, how about Chase Elliott? Yeah, I mean, he <laughs> it was pretty incredible <laughs> seeing him basically just like slide back and forth for what must have been hundreds of feet, um, get back on the track, not hit anyone else, not have the front of his car get torn off by the grass. Like, you're, it's a crapshoot yeah. once you get out there. I couldn't um, have saved that on I. I couldn't have saved that on I ninety in a Honda Accord. No. <laughs> <laughs> and you're only driving what seventy five eighty on seventy five miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely not over seventy five. Wouldn't want to get pulled over. Um, no, yeah, that that was an incredible save. Um, I think there was there was a lot of uh, gifts made of that that people were enjoying. Um, but ultimately, that save didn't end up working out in his favor. He he was. He was looking at, you know, winning the race before the caution. After the caution comes out, he pits uh, along with a lot of others. But there were some really far like backmarkers, like guys who honestly don't have a shot at all of holding the guys off behind them. There was at least 10 cars that stayed out. Probably three or four of them shouldn't have even been out there. Um, and those slow cars in front of these fast cars with tires caused chaos. That's why you saw like Reddick go off the track. That's why you saw uh, a guy like Chase Elliott go off the track. He actually got into Corey LaJoy when that happened. Um, and I think Corey LaJoy said he didn't see him or I don't know what happened exactly. But um, the point being that uh, Chase Elliott looked like he might have been still able to salvage a day um, considering he was right there with Christopher Bell who ended up winning the race, uh, who also got tires. But then when he was trying to get back by uh, Brad Keselowski, Keselowski was throwing blocks everywhere, which, hey, he's trying to you know get the best finish he can. I, I, I get it. I don't like him, but I get it. Um, and he ends up getting turned because he's trying to fit in between Hamlin and Keselowski, and then he ends up finishing 21st, which, you know, ruined his day, ruined my FanDuel lineup. Not happy. Um, and, you know, another guy who got his race ruined was Kyle Busch. Um, arguably, probably somewhat of his own doing, trying to run his way through there. And um, I think there wasn't a good replay of it, but I think he got put in the wall coming to the final chicane. And then after he got through that chicane, he knew his car was toast. So he just kept dooring Chase Briscoe, who I think was the guy who put him in the wall, based on what the replay showed anyway. Um, so I think Kyle was pretty pissed at that point. Um, I was listening to his radio most of the race. I think I missed that part um, in particular. Maybe he didn't say anything about it on the radio. Uh, but one thing I found interesting listening to his radio is when they threw the caution for rain, his spotter's like, hey, caution for rain or whatever. And he's like, what rain? So, you know, he also said, I think after the pit stops, he's like, I think NASCAR threw that just just for the show. Um, Like you said, they can always fall back on the fact that it's a safety issue and all that. And I'm sure they've they already specified ahead of time, like, hey, if it's raining, we throw the caution so you can put on rain tires. It's a question of was there enough rain for that to be justified? And I think in a lot of people's eyes, it was no. but I can't deny that the finish was entertaining. It did set up a last almost lap, lap, last lap pass for the win. Um, I was, you know, secretly rooting against not secretly, I guess I was rooting against Joy Logano not to win that. Um, so I was glad to see Christopher Bell get his first win pass him. That was cool. Yeah, Bell ran a really nice end of the race there. Yeah, it was impressive. Um, also, it's one thing faster. I, yeah. Uh, one thing I, I noticed from that race is that you know, going into the race, I remember seeing the fan, the, the FanDuel uh, prices for like Harvick were kind of high. I thought I was like, Harvick didn't have a good race here last year. I feel like he hasn't done well on these Rovals. Um, Keselowski was another guy who was kind of a little pricey for me and I didn't go for either of them. And I looked totally right <laughs> until that caution happened at the end because Harvick had a terrible day. Keselowski had a terrible day. They both had multiple issues or incidents, I think. Um, weren't looking at a top 10 at all. And then I think both ended up near or in the top five um so yeah, if you pick Kozlowski them, finished in fifth and harvick finished in sixth yeah right there right there in the top five range which i mean if yeah. you picked him great that's good for you but i i wouldn't have picked him by a mile and then now i look stupid <laughs> um one other guy i want to touch on from that race was chase briscoe i did put him in my lineup um I will say when I when I make a FanDuel lineup, because I'm mostly doing cash, I don't have to try to get like the perfect analytical like optimization of my lineup to make it to the top, top tier. I just need a top 50 or a top half of the of the field, essentially, in terms of people who are playing that that FanDuel contest. I usually just go off kind of feel. I'm like, I feel like this guy's good here. I feel like this guy's been running well, so on and so forth. 
Um, Chase Briscoe's a rookie. It's a second race, but he's on a good team. Um, Stuart Haas Racing, you know, it's got Harvick, it's got Al Marola. Uh, he's filling the seat, seat of Clint Boyer. And I felt like Chase Briscoe did well in Xfinity last year on the road courses. So I really thought, you know, maybe he's going to have a, a breakout performance or something like that. Um, he started 18th, and I was hoping, you know, if he just stays in the top 20 and maybe gets a top 10 at the end of the day, that'd be great. Um, but he did not look that great. He had an incident early on where he spun. Um, just he didn't impress me at all uh, compared to what I was expecting. And maybe I was just expecting too much out of somebody in their second start. But um, I was I was underwhelmed by him. Was there anybody that you had in your lineup or that you were considering putting in your lineup that you felt had a up or down kind of day at, uh, at the Roval at Daytona? I don't really think so. No. Um, aside from the chaos, I guess, I guess we already kind of touched on. Yeah. That aside from the chaos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think it's, it's, it showed me one thing and that's, I can't keep overlooking bell. I overlook him for no reason. Every single week. Yeah. I see that 20 just staring at me. And for some, he's never the one who I choose in the price range that he's at. Uh, yeah. I kind of like mid pack really, right? Yep. But he seems like he's somebody who I need to look at a little bit more. Yeah, yeah I touched on Almondinger. He got up, uh, actually finished seventh. And, yeah, okay. uh, you know, the one other person who I was kind of looking at getting onto the road course was Truex. Yeah. You know, he, he is a pretty good road, ra- road uh, racer, and uh, a 12th finish for him. Seems a little disappointing. I can't remember how he got back there. What did he get I caught think up he, in one of the wrecks toward the end? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, one of the re- late restarts. Um, he, he, I think he was trying to outbreak somebody and just wheel hopped, which essentially means like the back tires locked up, and when they do that, they start like hopping essentially, something along those lines. I might be getting the explanation yep. wrong, so forgive me. But um, he ended up spinning out on the restart. Um, yep, yep, yep. That's so exactly I, what it was. So the fact that he salvaged 12th is actually kind of impressive, but yeah, he was looking at a top five, probably like all the Gibbs cars actually were looking at top fives. They had, they had a really impressive showing on the road course, um, which, which might come into play in some of the road, a lot more road course races we have this year. Uh, we'll probably look back at those Gibbs cars again um, to see who we want to pick. Um, yeah, fun fact absolutely. about fun fact about Christopher Bell though. Um, we should have seen it coming. We should have known he was going to win because as fate would have it, he has won in his second season, in his second race, in Trucks, Xfinity, and now Cup. So at all three levels, in his second season, the second race, he got his first one. Come on, you're making that up. No. That's where I got. <laughs> so if I, had just, I know. If I had seen that step before the race, I would have been like, put Bell in your lineup immediately. <laughs> yeah. So he he um he was in a sort of satellite team last year in the 95 um, and he came over to replace uh, Eric Jones uh, in the 20 car this year. So he kind of upgraded in terms of his equipment and he he's a young, young guy, obviously, like I said, second season. Um, so he'll be one to look out for, especially having that kind of success early. Um, he might he might have a really good year um, and probably be somebody to watch for wait a few years to come if. Uh, if Gibbs continues to be the powerhouse that they are. Okay, so moving on from uh, some of the NASCAR stuff so far, I wanted to touch on some of the iRacing stuff that's going on um, just because I'm into it. I like it. Um, I figure some of the people that I'll share this podcast with will probably be into it. A couple of the communities I like to watch, and I'll I'll leave links to these guys um, in the description to the the show, show notes, whatever you want to call it. Um, A guy named uh, David Shieldhouse does a great job uh, streaming his content on Twitch. He races, he does broadcasting. Um, he, he's a really good streamer on Twitch, probably one of the top guys. Um, another guy that I like to watch is uh, Malik Ray. Goes by Campaign Ray on Twitch. Like I said, I'll leave links to these guys. Um, they're really fun to watch. Um, so if I'm not racing myself, I haven't been racing much in the, the sort of NASCAR offseason, um, but I think I'm probably going to be doing it a little bit more now that the season's going again. It's It's something about like knowing that there's a race at the same track that I can race quote unquote in iRacing um, is cool. Um, the service isn't perfect. Obviously there's a lot of things that have been going on that people are kind of fed up with. Tr- don't necessarily trust them, but I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute, but those are some of the big names. Um, there's also kind of a big event going on in the iRacing world. They have a lot of like one-off sort of like leagues or they have um, 
little like events that people run. Um, actually, the event that I'm going to talk about is one that's, I think, run by Landon Castle, who's a sort of part time NASCAR driver or maybe no, he's, he can't be full time because he's not in the lineups this year or this uh, race. But he's he's driven in NASCAR. Parker Kligerman, who's also driven in NASCAR. Both of those guys are heavy into the iRacing stuff and they're hosting this event with I think it's eRacer. Um, I'll leave a link to, to the event stuff, but it's basically they're using the last generation of NASCAR. So the Gen 5 car, because currently we're on Gen 6. Um, with no restrictor plates, so the cars are going way faster, and they're going around Daytona. So they're doing. They did a huge event, um, prelims, qualifying races, all that stuff. The, the most recent qualifying races were run on uh, Thursday, February twenty fifth. Um, so if you want to check those out on their Twitch page, like I said, leave uh, links to this. You can check it out. The main event for that uh, race, uh, if you want to check it out, should be somewhat entertaining. I think be interesting to check out. Um, is and by the way. We're not sponsored at all. This is just us doing this for fun. So me talking about these guys, don't think like, oh, they must be sponsored. No, not at all. <laughs> um, but the main event, which is basically like a Daytona 500 with a twist, if you want to call it that. They call, they're calling it the Car Anomaly 500. Um, the main event for that race is 7 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday, March 3rd, if you want to check that out on Twitch. Um, it's a $15,000 prize pool. So it's nothing to sneeze at for uh, for some virtual racing. Um, I think first place gets 3000 and there's a potential if you start last and end up winning, there's a there's an extra prize for that or something like that. It's pretty interesting. Um, I alluded to some of the issues that iRacing has been having lately. Probably the biggest one is that their top, top series, it's the eNASCAR Coke series. It's basically like if you're the best on the service and you drive the NASCAR car, this is what you race in um, sponsored by real teams. People like William Byron have a team in this um, trying to think Parker Kligerman that I mentioned earlier. He has a team. I think it's Kligerman eSport. Um, so there's eSports organizations, drivers, uh, Denny Hamlin and uh, 2311 racing with Michael Jordan. They have a team like it's 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 big deal stuff like it's not, you know, small potatoes. Um, I think the the grand prize for winning the championship in that series is 100K. So, you know, some money involved. Um, but they had their second race of the season this past week on Tuesday uh, at Homestead, since that's where the real life guys are going. And five laps into the race, I'm watching Malik Ray stream it, right? Because I'm I like watching his point of view. I'm, I'm not as interested in watching the broadcast, to be honest. But uh, seven of the drivers disconnect from the race, I, like almost all at once. And seeing Malik's reaction, like, whoa, no, that guy just dropped. And these were people that were in the front of the like front of the race, like top five guys. And they drop from the race because, you know, it's online. It's possible for that to happen. Um, I was kind of shocked. I was like, oh, man, you know, if this happened in an esport event that I've watched in the past, something that seems like a technical issue, restart the race. Why not? They're five laps into a hundred lap race. Just restart it. You can there's things like remakes and other video games online. Didn't do that at all. The iRacing hosts looked into it. They said it was an ISP issue, which basically means it was Comcast's fault, essentially, in this case. Um, so it appeared that Comcast customers that were on the service disconnected at that time for whatever reason. Something happened along the tubes of the Internet that didn't allow the, the connection to get through, and they all dropped from the race. Completely screwed their race over because now they're four or five laps down by the time they reconnect to the race and get going again. People aren't happy, but based on some of the streamers I watched, I, I kind of went back and watched some of the other guys. A couple of them that disconnected were streaming at the time. And mind you, their stream didn't drop. So it's not like they lost Internet completely. It's like they lost their connection to the iRacing server. A little weird. But their reaction to it kind of told me that, like, this is something where iRacing does not want this to be sort of broadcast. They don't want to tell you that this happened. They don't want to make it seem like it was a technical issue on their end. And maybe it wasn't. Maybe it really was Comcast's fault, let's say. I totally get that. But to have the, like, even if it isn't their fault, I feel like, why not restart the race? Seems kind of insane to me. The other thing that really threw me is that I went back and watched the iRacing broadcast of the race, and they completely ignored it. There's people in the top 10 of this race that drop out in the first five laps and then reconnect five laps down. The chat on Twitch is going nuts, like, hey, what the heck just happened? Broadcast acts like this is a real race. There's no such thing as virtual race cars. These are real race cars, real drivers. It's like, and they are real drivers. I get they're, you know, driving a virtual car, whatever. But like, you're a video game. You're, you're not 
you're not real life. You you have the ability to say like, hey, this happened. They're looking into it, but they don't touch on it at all. And it just looks so tone deaf. Um, and I, I mean, iRacing already gets kind of some backlash from the community about like the servers and how well the net code is, you know, like sometimes there's contact between two cars and it's like that was net code. It wasn't actually that they came together. Um, and it seems like they're kind of trying to sweep this under the rug and just not make it a public thing. And to me, that just seems crazy. I feel like you have to address it. You have to say, look into it, find out the technical reasons why it happened and at least share that much. Um, and I haven't looked lately, but I haven't heard anything either about whether they're looking into it, whether they're going to make a statement about it or whether they care, which is a little frustrating. Um, so I, I didn't like that. One of the other things that people are frustrated with are the fact that and since, this has been a problem since I started, which was only in March of last year, I guess almost a year ago now. But they changed the tire model of the car, which basically they have a way of making the, the, the tires react to the track gain heat and fall off and all, not fall off literally, but like the tire wear and the, the tire grip falls off to the point where the, you know, the car gets harder to drive. It doesn't grip as well. And, you know, for me, I'm used to it because that's all I've ever known. But people hate the fact that they changed the tire model because it, it broke a piece of the service called dynamic track, which basically meant that like, as you race on the track, the track kind of changes just like in real life, rubber gets put down quote unquote, virtually whatever. Um, changes the way that the cars react to that. And it made it so that you could race in multiple grooves. And, you know, if you want to pass somebody, you need more than one groove to pass them. And usually, unless you're way faster. Um, and so that's been broken ever since I've used the service, this dynamic track. Um, people always talk about, you know, when are they going to fix dynamic track? When are they going to change the tire model? So it works with dynamic track. Um, and there's season two of 2021 is coming up. Um, there's some updates coming. But I haven't heard or seen anything about the tire model or the dynamic track. Maybe they'll announce something. That'd be great. But it's been a while and people are still kind of unhappy with it. So I think that's frustrating as well. Um, some of the cool things that are coming with season two that they've already announced is they're updating the damage model, which is always nice because you want the damage to be realistic as possible. Um, I think the cars they're mainly changing it on, uh, on the oval side at least, are the 1987 race cars, which are a blast to drive. Um, they kind of neutered those a little bit, which made them not quite as fun, but I, I still find them enjoyable. Um, I think they're doing the street stocks as well. They're updating the damage model on those. Um, and then some of the open wheel cars that are, I think, primarily used on road courses are getting some updates. Um, and they made mention of like wheel contact when that happens in the sim. Uh, it, it'll be more realistic. So the way that you crash when you make wheel to wheel contact should be better. Um, remains to be seen. Um, I think they tried to update the damage model on the cup car and it failed miserably and they reverted it. Uh, I think that was season three of 2020. Um, so we'll see how that goes in a couple of weeks here when they release the new damage model updates and hopefully an update to the tire model, maybe, who knows. Um, and then the other big thing that I think everyone's expecting, I think it's been teased, I don't know if it's been formally announced, but the because the cup cars are going to race it, uh, the dirt track at Bristol, which is essentially just Bristol covered in dirt, it's not a different track. Um, that race uh, is going to be able to be run in iRacing now. So I think, um, based on the teases and things, um, the dirt track version of Bristol will be available to race. So I think that'll be really fun, at least to try um, in the sim. Um, be curious. I, I've done a little bit of, they have dirt racing in the sim already, but I haven't done it with the cup car or anything like that. So I'll be curious to try that out. Um, all right, I've, I've talked for far too long at this point about iRacing, uh, but I kind of wanted to touch on that stuff since I think it's interesting. I like to do it. I'll probably do it a little bit more. And it's in the title of the podcast, so I feel like, you know, kind of have to talk about it. Okay, let's get to our fantasy lineups for this weekend um, at Homestead. Let's do it. So, uh, Josh, I think we should start with you because I'm tired of talking. Um <laughs> Do you want to give a little bit about your general philosophy? Um, I guess I should mention we do pretty much use FanDuel exclusively. Um, we might look at DraftKings just to see what they're doing in terms of their uh, uh, prices and whatnot, but their scoring is pretty different from FanDuel. So it's kind of hard. It's little apples and oranges if we look at that. So uh, yeah, why don't you give us a little bit about what you think you're going to do in terms of philosophy? Awesome. Yeah. And for the most part, I'm going to be talking about FanDuel. So when you Hear me mentioning these drivers and their prices. If you're going on to DraftKings, you're going to see them looking a little bit different. Um, today will be will be mostly FanDuel. 
Um, so generally with FanDuel, we're starting five drivers and we have a $50,000 budget. And, you know, we're looking anywhere from 4500 up to 14000 that these guys are going to cost to put into your lineup. So what I really try to do is I try to look at the track and pick two of the studs. Um, you know, last week it was Chase Elliott and Allmendinger. Those were the two right in, right off the bat. Let's start with them, and then I'm going to build the rest of the lineup around. Now, that's my tournament strategy. Because in tournaments, you're going to, you want to be a little bit different when you get into the tournaments and differentiate your lineup from where a lot of people are going. Um, Crum, you and I play a lot of the 50-50s where yeah. there's 100 people in it, finishing the top half, and double your money. Yeah, and, almost double your money, right? I think it's like you get, if you put in five, you get four, or you make nine, right? Right. Yeah, because they yep. Fandle has to make their cut. <laughs> right. <laughs> Definitely not a sponsor. Right, no. We just really, um, we just like use them. <laughs> um, yeah, so in FanDuel, the, the scoring is uh, you get a tenth of a point for every lap you complete a tenth of a point for every lap led, a half a point for your place differential. So if you start 31st and you finish 21st, you're going to get a five-point bonus for moving up those 10 spots. Yep. A first-place finish rewards you 40 points, and a 40th-place finish gives you one point. So that's what you're looking at for FanDuel scoring. So I think one of the most important things when we're setting FanDuel lineups for NASCAR is we have to look at the track and specifically how many laps are there going to be in the race as opposed to what's the distance of the race. Right, because that affects the number of uh, points you can get out of leading the laps, right? That's kind of where you're going with that. Yeah, and and for me, if you're... What what did we have last week? 67 laps was the road course? Yeah, way lower. So it's... So it's a potential of 6.7 points for each lap, and place differential is giving you five times that amount. So right. on, a, on a road course where there's less laps, your place differential is going to be a lot more important. So then I'm going to look for people like A.J. Allmendinger, who started back in the 30s. Because mm-hmm. there's a driver who loves the roads. As far as I know, he only drives the roads. Yeah, and when he's in that race, you know you you got to throw him in there. He starts deep in the field, and he's almost a guaranteed top ten when you get onto the road. Yeah, I, he is a road course ringer, as they say. Um, and he used to be full time in the Cup Series, but really, like his bread and butter was road courses. And he's done he's done sports car racing on road courses. That's like that's what he's great at. Um, and I, I do agree with you. I think. It's interesting though, because I, I think on the road courses, like yeah, there's there's less laps you can lead, and coming from the back, if you think a guy has the talent, is the way to go. Um, but you got to be careful, because I mean, like I pick Kyle Busch for that reason. Lap one, because he's in the back trying to make moves, he gets you know pushed off the course, and now he's got damage to repair and a flat tire, and it's like you you, you add some risk when you go back there. That's that's the the downside, I guess I'll say. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe for that reason, A.J. Allmendinger wasn't the best example because he was a really expensive guy in last week's slate also. Yeah, it's interesting to see um, what FanDuel value. I was I was shocked at how expensive he was. He wasn't like out of this world expensive, but he was like, you know, for, for a guy that races part time, even if he's good at road courses, there's enough good road course racers and the regular you know, set of set of teams that you would expect to sort of outperform him. But he really even he had a couple issues that he recovered from. But even before those issues, he was up near the. He was definitely in the top ten, maybe close to the top five at one point. And then he had, I think, a speeding penalty, something like that, that kind of set him back. But he looked like he was, you know, earning that FanDuel price uh, in that race, which I was impressed by. Yep, and he made you know, as I said earlier, he made it for the. You know, I don't want to call it the studs and duds approach, um, <laughs> but it's a, that's essentially how I how I kind of approach these. Yeah. Now this week with 267 laps, laps led and laps completed takes on a whole new meaning. If you can lead 100 laps this weekend, you can 
add 10 points to your total, and that's your jump from scoring 44 to 54. Right. That's, uh, you know, that's significant. To to get that many points, you got to move up 20 places. Yeah, and I think it's interesting to know that, like, somebody like Chase Elliott, who I had in my lineup last week, right, I think they ended up doing 70 laps because of overtime and everything. I think it was originally scheduled for 67, as you mentioned, or maybe it was 68. But either way, um, Chase Chase led 44 of 70 laps. So that's over a half the race. If he does that this week, that's not 4.4 points. That's 13.7 or 13, 13 whatever. Almost, yeah, yeah, almost 14 points. Yeah, so he could if he does the same thing in terms of leading laps, he gets 14 points, which would have maybe salvaged his day in terms of FanDuel um, and fantasy, as opposed to the, like last week. Yeah, he led some laps, but it, there weren't enough laps for it to make up for the fact that he lost spots at the end. So yeah, it's it's definitely a different game. I have yeah, to so those, in there. those those are the big things that uh, that I look at. And then the only other thing I'm thinking going into this weekend is do we got to start Cole Custer? Cause he's in that Dixie vodka car. <laughs> they're, they're the race sponsor too. Did you know that? I did. That's, yeah. that's why I bring it okay. up. <laughs> I, just, I thought maybe you were just a fan of Dixie. Vodka. Who knows? Just a big Dixie vodka fan. Who's also, yeah. also doesn't sponsor us. <laughs> that's right. Every, every corporate sponsor we say we're losing money. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and, and Cole, hey, he won his first race last year on a mile and a half, so maybe he'll do it again this year. Um, he's not one of my favorites, but I think he, I think the main reason is because he he starts in 10th, and I think that's almost above his ceiling. Like, I feel like there's guys behind him that'll probably get ahead of him if things go the way I expect, which it's a new year. This is the first mile and a half track. It's hard to judge right now. Um, I kind of, like I said, normally go off feel um in terms of because i have so much like i feel like i invest so much time and energy into paying attention to nascar and you know listening to the podcast during the week and i have a good sort of uh knowledge of you know who does what where like i know off the top of my head that um somebody like kyle larson great at homestead always been good at homestead probably a good good pick he's a little expensive um but he starts in 17th and that's you know he's probably going to pick up spots from there i'd be shocked if he finishes below where he starts um, and he has a potential to get a top three, maybe even a win. Um, it's hard to say with Kyle Larson because he is on a new team. This is his first year with Hendrick. He used to be on uh, Chip Gassy in the 42, where Ross Jessane is now, who's another name I like this week. Um, but I guess zooming out a little bit in terms of my strategy, I felt like last year, because like I said, I, I pretty much do the 50-50s. So I'm looking to finish top half. I just want consistent, good picks um whereas if if you are doing a tournament lineup i think you do need to go a little bit more off the beaten path pick somebody that maybe not everyone else is picking because you're competing against all those other people uh to sort of get the best possible score to get into that top you know 10 or so if you really want to make some um, some nice cash um but yeah in general i felt like i was picking three guys who i was like these three guys could win the race and then i would find two people starting below 20th that I felt like would improve their position. And that was sort of my general philosophy. So um, just to give an example of that, like this week, we've got William Byron starts 31st. I think he could easily finish top 10, but more than likely somewhere between 10th and 15th. Again, hard for us to say this early in the season where he'll actually finish. But if I say, you know, William Byron had a top 10 day, not going to surprise me. And if he does that, that's 20 spots he picks up. Um, Is he going to lead a lot of laps? Probably not. He's got to come from the back and then he's got to get ahead of guys like Hamlin and Chase Elliott and Truex who consistently do well on this track as well. And um, does that make 9,500 too much for him? It, yeah, and that, that's really there, the issue, it's right? al- It almost seems like they're trying to price him out of lineup, so he might actually be a low percentage play coming up this yeah, week. Yeah, and, and that's exactly why I put him in. I, I Like I said, I normally do the 50-50s, but I made a, a tournament lineup just for this, you know, because I figured I should probably try and give people advice on that if they want to go that route. Um, and yeah, he is in my he is in my uh, tournament lineup. Um, yeah, so, so I like somebody who's a little bit cheaper and a little bit deeper. Yep. And that's Tyler Reddick. I want to go back to him again this week, even though he broke my heart last week. Mm-hmm. I think he's too good. <laughs> too cheap, too cheap at ninety two hundred, and too far back in the field. Yeah. So I'm looking at I'm looking at him for tournaments and cash lineups. 
at 9,200, I think he's going to get overlooked a lot in cash. I think he might be a pretty appealing pick for tournaments. Um, I totally I agree. Kind of, I like him in the cash lineups. Yeah, I think he and Byron have a very similar uh, outcome. Both starting below 30th, both in contention for a top 10. Um, I don't know if you uh, saw it last year. And but... upper middle tier price points. Yeah, absolutely. So they're uh, Redick 9,200, Byron 9,500. Um, Byron a little bit more expensive, but starts a little further up. And probably, I feel like they really are going to have very similar point outcomes. I'll even, I'd be willing to say they finish within five points of each other, assuming they don't wreck, which in all of this, we're, I, I sort of, we're assuming I, they don't yeah. wreck. <laughs> there's, there's a wild card that happens in NASCAR is DNFs. If a guy blows his motor, that sucks. If a guy gets in a wreck, that sucks. Um, in general, I try not to look at that too much. If a guy is known for being a little reckless, um, a lot of people might say that Ricky Stenhouse falls into that category. Um, he has a higher uh, likelihood of being involved in an incident, maybe. Um, you could even argue Kyle Busch is in that boat um, because he is kind of aggressive, too. Um, those guys, you, maybe you want to stay away from them because they add the risk of, especially for 50-50s, ruining your day with a you know a DNF. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Tyler Reddick. He's actually in my uh, tournament lineup as well. So I've got William Byron and Tyler Reddick both in there. Both, I think, at the right price point, which is too expensive, quote unquote, which is why I think they won't be picked in many lineups, but could have high upside, especially if they both manage top tens. Yeah, um, and I like, I like, I like the Byron call because I think because Reddick's a little bit cheaper and a few spots further back. If you're looking at the two of those, I think most of the people playing in these tournament in the tournaments and cash games are going to be sliding down to Reddick. To round out my my tournament uh, lineup that I created, um, it's got Reddick, it's got Byron, as we already talked about, and I also have Kyle Larson in there. I think he's in the same, almost the exact same category as Reddick and Byron in terms of value. He seems over overpriced. He's eleven thousand three hundred, and he starts seventeenth. So he's more expensive than Reddick. He's more expensive than Byron. He starts further up, but he could win. And I don't think a lot of people are gonna pick him because of his price point. So that kind of lets me say, hey, if I can sneak Reddick or if I can sneak Kyle Larson in my lineup, and not a lot of people have him, and maybe not a lot of people have Reddick and Byron too, like all three of those guys, maybe too pricey for a lot of people. I think they can, you know, basically give me the winning winning lineup that not everyone has. Um, to round out that lineup, I've got Denny Hamlin as the guy who, if this lineup wins, I think Denny Hamlin will have to lead most of the race and win the race, um, assuming one of those other guys doesn't. And then I also threw Ross Chastain in there because for 6,200, Ross Chastain, yes, please. He starts right next to William Byron in the race, and he's over 3,000 cheaper. So I feel like he's the perfect value pick this week. Um, so I've got that those five. Hamlin, Larson, Chastain, Reddick, and Byron is my tournament lineup. And Chrome Chastain's in a new car this year too, right? Yeah. So I like to refer to him as a good equipment rookie. Um, <laughs> he's been he's been running in the Cup Series for I think a couple years now, but in on a team that doesn't have the equipment that can really compete. When when they go to the racetrack, they're trying to compete for thirtieth essentially. Um, this year, though, he's on the Ganassi team. Um, teammates with Kurt Busch uh, is probably the more well known name. Um, Ross Chastain nickname is the watermelon man because he was he was on a watermelon farm. I bet you didn't know that. I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, I like him a lot. So what do you think for a tournament? Do you have something similar, something a little different? What do you think? Tournaments are tricky for me because I always try to go really, really top heavy and then throw a couple darts into the wall. Sure. Uh rather than finding your middle of the road uh kind of guys. So really deep guys that I like for tournaments this weekend. I like Michael McDowell. Yeah. He starts he starts sixth. Yeah, that's which I don't is, know if he can stay up there. <laughs> he's it's a little high for me. I think he's going to lose some points on point differential. But if he can get through the entire lap and finish in the top fifteen for forty five hundred, I think he's gonna be a pretty valuable play and we'll be able to get you somewhere in the thirty seven to forty two point range yeah. on FanDuel. Uh, another guy down there that I like who's also really cheap is Corey LaJoy. He's yeah. starting 20, 25th. I think he's going to be 
a pretty overlooked guy as far as lineups go. There are a, a lot of lineups that I was putting together this week. I could get Michael McDowell in as my fifth and cheapest racer, which I think is gonna gonna keep him as a more popular pick than LaJoy. Although LaJoy is only three thousand starting in twenty fifth. So if he can move up even to twentieth and finish the race, he'll be he'll be a good play. Yeah, LaJoy is probably the best value that I found in this in this uh, particular uh, price range. I mean, like 3000 is dirt cheap. Everyone cheaper than that, I feel like, is in equipment that can't get out of the top 30, for sure. Um, just to give people some names that I think are in that price range that aren't going to move anywhere. Uh, Justin Haley, Cody Ware, Garrett Smithley, James Davison, Timmy Hill, BJ McLeod, Josh Balicki, Quinn Hofe. Hofe? I don't know how to say it. Anyways, all those guys are in equipment that I, I truly don't believe can finish ahead of 30th barring, you know, other people crashing. Um, so Cor- Corey LaJoy is legitimately one of the only cars uh, that I feel like can get out of that top or move ahead of the top 30 to actually get you some points. And he's dirt cheap. So I, I totally agree with that pick. Makes sense. Yeah, he could be this week's Ty Dillon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because Ty had a great week last week. He was actually in my lineup, not that it mattered. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had we had too much damage at the top, but I think we both had him when we saw him at twenty five hundred. It was an almost immediate start. Yeah, last and, week. I mean, he only he had a he got me thirty eight point five points, which I mean, a guy like Denny Hamlin finished third. He had forty six, so not far off of Denny Hamlin in terms of points. That's great value. Yep. Yeah. So those are two deep deep tournament guys that I I really like. Um, with cash, my cash lineup, you know, we already touched on Larson. Yep. 11, 11,300. That's not too much for me this week. Uh, crumb, he's my lock of the week. Usually I, I like to take my lock of the week somewhere in the six to 7,000 range. Somebody who I think is going to really move up through the field to a top 10 finish and, uh, has a nice cheap price, but I think 17, I I can see a top five for him. I think this is a really good track for him. He likes to go fast along the walls. And yeah, I think he's got a a little bit feeling the need to prove it, maybe. Yeah. I mean, and really get off to a hot start in the season. Yeah. He obviously had a very controversial offseason. Um, yeah. He does have something to prove, I think, for sure. And, I, you know, it being a track he likes, definitely going to, you know, benefit him. Um, for me, it's just the curiosity of like, you know, this is the same manufacturer. Yeah. Cause he was in a Chevy at Ganassi. So he's still in a Chevy, the same car he was in, uh, previously, but it's a different team. It's different crew chief. It's, you know, maybe they set up the cars different. Maybe he doesn't exactly have what he needs yet. They haven't practiced at all. They won't have practice for this race. Um, so he's going to go into this race for the first time racing in a mile and a half in this new car, new team. That's sort of my hesitation with him. I still have him in my tournament lineup because I think, like I said, for his 11300 price, I think that is going to turn some people off for that exact reason. And I'm trying to, you know, fade the popular opinion when I do this uh, for tournaments anyway. Um, so, yeah. I yeah, Average finish of 15th. He's got two top 10s. I think he's going to go uh, three or four with top 10 finishes. So we'll get a... And, he, and I think he could lead a, a few laps. I don't think he's going to be one of the major lap leaders. Um, you touched on one in Denny Hamlin at 13,500 as somebody who can lead a lot of laps and starting on the pole. Yeah. Um, for me, and this is going to be a shocker, <laughs> I like Harvick over <laughs> Hamlin. <laughs> $500 more. Harvick's the most expensive on the slate at 14000 I think, Crumb, the thing that makes me lean his way, other than being a fan, of course, is I think I like that three-position buffer. I think he's got just as good of a chance to lead some laps as Hamlin. And starting in fourth gives me some leeway to not lose those few points that could be the difference between me getting into the money or finishing at 58th in my 50 50s. Yeah. 
I did a, um, and I shared it with you, I did sort of a, a quick, rough sort of estimate of where I feel like people's ceiling and floor are um, and their their cost and their their value and things like that. And for Harvick, I think he is almost identical in terms of value as uh, Denny Hamlin um, because, yeah, he's starting a little bit further back, but I think him and Hamlin both have a chance to lead a lot of laps. Both have a good shot at winning the race or finishing in the top five at the worst, probably. Um, again, barring unforeseen craziness happening. Um, so I think, yeah, they're they're in a very similar boat. So I think if I exchanged Hamlin for Harvick, I wouldn't feel bad about it. Um, so I, I totally get that pick. So we mentioned uh, with Reddick that 35th starting position and Byron starting in the 31st. Mm-hmm. Let's go a little bit cheaper than both of them. How about Matt DiBenedetto starting in 37, 37th for 7,200? He's top 20, right? Yeah, I think he's, I mean, if he's not top 20, they're doing something wrong. Um, and, and you're saving $2,000 in your lineup against, against Reddick. And he is my lock of the week for sure. Um, at least in terms of cash, because that price starting 37th, I think it's a guarantee that you get good value. Um, again, obviously anyone can get in a wreck, anyone could whatever, but 37th, it like that, that's definitely plus 20 spots gained. I think this race for sure, which is what 10 points, 10 points right there. Um, not somebody who's going to lead laps, but arguably no one outside of the $10,000 range is going to lead laps 10,000 and above. I expect to be the, you know, big lap leaders. Um, somebody like uh, Matt Benedetto, he's a fan favorite. Everybody loves him. Um, he's on a team that's Penske adjacent. Um, so it's not a Penske team, but like they get all their parts and pieces from Penske, as far as I understand it. They're kind of like a satellite team. Um, and he's he's done well. He's shown that he can drive. So I, I think he gets a top 15 this week. I think he's worth every penny. Uh, I don't have him in my uh, tournament lineup simply because I think a lot of people are going to pick him. Yep. Um, I think he's a great option for cash, though. Yeah, absolutely. So he's my lock for cash for sure. Um, Yeah. Another guy in that price range who I do think is going to be good for tournaments is Austin Dillon. Yeah. He's he's, he's 8,000 and he's starting at 22nd. So I think he's going to get overlooked a lot when tournament lineups are being set because they're going to see him at 8,000 starting at 22nd. And then they're going to see Matt DiBenedetto down there at 7,200 starting in 37. Mm-hmm. And you're going to look, oh, I can save money and get a deeper starting position. Let me go down to Matt DiBenedetto. Let me go to, let me go up a little bit of money to Reddick. Reddick's gaining 17 spots back in the field too. So I think Austin Dillon's going to be a great play for tournaments. 8,000, he's going to be probably your third priciest driver for a tournament lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think he's going to have a really low ownership because of that slightly higher starting position. I think he's a good top 15 play this week. Yeah, I, I like him too. I think, I don't know how overlooked he is by the fans or by the, the sort of general population of the, the fantasy daily fantasy players. Um, but I think like going into the playoffs last year, he he sort of snuck into the playoffs because he got an early win at Texas early in the year. Um, but he, he snuck into the playoffs, and I think a lot of people wrote him off like, okay, you know, he's he's finished 15th to 20th kind of most of the year, I feel like. Maybe some top 10s thrown in there, I'm sure. Um, but I, weren't high expectations for him, and he came into the playoffs and looked good. He didn't have a lot of playoff points, and it was hard for him to really advance, but he looked fast, and it was kind of surprising. Um, I think they're going to continue with that this year. I think that um, both Heretic and Dylan, I believe, are both RCR cars. I think they're both going to look strong. Uh, Reddick last year at this track, I think, got a top 10 or close to it. Um, so all that stuff is is to say that, yeah, I, I agree with both those. Uh, Reddick and Dylan really showing up this week and providing value as well. Yeah, and that, that rounds out my cash lineup, um, which... For me, I is feeling really strong yeah. uh, this week. So for my cash lineup, I've got Harvick at fourteen thousand. I've got Larson at eleven thousand three hundred. I'm taking Reddick, Austin Dillon, and Matt DiBenedetto. They can all make up spots, and they're all priced in a pretty good range that allows me to 
still have the top, uh, the priciest driver in Harvick and the guy who I think the 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 lowest starter who I think could actually win this race in Larson. Yeah, I I think I agree with you there. Although Kyle Busch starts twenty fourth. And I, I think he could win too. Um, <laughs> so surprise, surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> usually, when I set a when I set a cash lineup, I add Kyle Busch to my lineup, and then I see what four drivers I can fit around him. <laughs> um, <laughs> I unless... wish I could do that with Harvick, but because of last year, him and Hamlin are right at the top every single week. But yeah, we'll see pretty... how the season goes, and they'll adjust. They'll adjust pricing as we go along, too. Yeah. Obviously, anybody familiar with the daily fantasy stuff knows that these prices are for this particular weekend and obviously depend on where they qualify and all that stuff. So prices will change throughout the year and all that, depending on how people perform and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I guess to to round out my cash lineup that I'm going with, um, I kind of mentioned it earlier. I go with three sort of guys that I feel like can win the race, and then I try to fill it out with two guys that I think will move up. And this week, I originally had, I think, like maybe two Gibbs cars. And then I was like, well, no, do I want to have Harvick? And I was like, oh, do I want to have a Penske guy? And I was like, I I think I want to diversify. I don't want to have two Fords that I think can win. I don't want to have two Toyotas that I think can win. I want to go Chevy Ford Toyota because I don't know how the cars have changed in the offseason. I don't know if anybody's found some speed somewhere. So I want to have one of each because I think they all have the potential to win. Um, And obviously, I went with Kyle Busch as my Toyota. I think... Even if he doesn't win, he starts 24th. If Kalowish doesn't get a top five or close to a top five this week, I'll be disappointed personally. Um, but I'll also be disappointed because like, I feel like he can he can gain those spots for sure. Um, and it's at a track where there are multiple grooves, unlike an iRacing. Um, and people can pass. So I think he'll move through the field for sure. I have Harvick as my other top guy because I think he provides a little bit more value than Denny. Um, like you mentioned, um, he's more expensive, but he starts three positions back. Um, and he's a Ford. And I don't want to have Hamlin and Kyle. Um, although watch them, you know, be the two dominant cars and they look silly. Uh, and then we've got Chase Elliott. So just to round that out, it would be Chase Elliott in the Chevy, Kevin Harvick in the Ford, and Kyle Busch in the Toyota. All three, I think, can win. Those prices are thirteen thousand for Elliott, fourteen thousand for Harvick, twelve thousand two hundred for Kyle. So um, you're searching for value to round it out. Yeah. So now I don't have much cash left to use, but luckily I found Corey LaJoy for three thousand, and I threw him in there. And then, like you, I found Matt Benedetto for seventy two hundred. I think he's a great value. So that's my that's my cash lineup. Um, and I think I think that'll that'll round it out. Um, I think we've covered most of the bases for this. Um, I think this was a good first pod. It's probably way too long, but <laughs> maybe I'll edit it down. Maybe I'll edit it we'll, down. We'll see. We'll work on getting it to an hour. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll probably, <laughs> I mean, we had the intros. We had a lot of the F1 stuff that we won't need week to week anyway for a while. Um, we'll probably focus more on the, the fantasy side of things, but I kind of wanted to give a well-rounded version of the podcast to start off and get feedback, see if people are like, wow, you guys talked about iRacing for way too long. Because that's, <laughs> that's, that's my immediate feedback for myself. Um, so yeah, um, appreciate you. If you listen, tuned in, whatever device you're listening on or any of that, um, hopefully you got to listen to this before Homestead. If you're trying to set a lineup, I realize we're putting this out probably the morning of, but, um, check it out and hopefully you like it. And I think from now on, we'll probably try to record these a little bit ahead of time before the race. Um, we haven't nailed down a schedule or anything like that yet, but, uh, we'll figure it out as we go. And, um, thanks again for listening.